young people, the second most important decision you'll ever make in your life is who you'll marry. And then start to prepare to be the right person to marry when God brings that person into your life. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. It's no surprise that some of the most often misquoted and misunderstood scriptures are about marriage. They're often taken out of context and are far removed from God's will and His plan for our lives. Today, David speaks to us heart to heart in part two of his talk about marriage. It says after two people are not only filled with the Holy Spirit, but they sing together and make joy together and make melody together to the Lord with psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. Then in verse 21, it says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So marriage begins with two people who have submitted themselves to Jesus Christ, who are under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, who have the reverence of Jesus Christ filling their hearts, and that's what brings them together. They are uniquely different, but they're both under the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ. Have you got that? Two broken, foibled people forgiven through the gospel of grace who have the lordship of Jesus Christ in their hearts coming together out of reverence for Christ, submitting to one another. So there is an egalitarianism that begins with the marriage, according to the Bible. Two equal participants who have submitted themselves to Christ, right? Okay, then the next step goes, in my opinion, to husbands. I'll come back to you wives in just a moment. Husbands, what are you supposed to do? The the husbands are supposed to be the head of their wife as Christ is the head of the church. Now, how is Christ head of the church? He died to give the church life. He went to a cross and died in order for the Holy Spirit to be poured into our hearts and form the church. So the first command that's most important is to husbands. Hey, guys, Paul was saying, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, your job in your marriage is to be willing to die for your wife. Out of reverence for Christ, your call is to be willing to die for her. Period. And then you husbands are supposed to be the guardians and gardeners of your family. As the one whom Jesus has called to be the head of the family, like Jesus is the head of the church, I'm calling you husbands, God said, first of all, to be the guardians of your family, which means you don't let stuff get into your family that can cause sin or a wrinkle or some spot on the soul of your wife or your children. That means, guys, you have the clicker in your hand when something godless comes on the TV. You have a knowledge of what those movies are whenever you're tempted to go see them. And you stand up and click to another channel or say, no, we don't go watch that because I'm a guardian of the holiness of my family. But I'm also a gardener. I'm the one who's called to sprinkle spiritual life and nourishment in my wife and in my children. I am the spiritual leader of my home. I start family devotions. Marilyn and I, Saturday night with the kids. Every Saturday night, family devotions. I had 10 dimes for each kid. The first dime I asked them, where does it go? 
to the Lord, Dad, in his church, great kids. Then they'd always say, do we get the other 90%? You know, no, kids. God owns that too. Great times of teaching. We'd read Bible stories to them. Oftentimes, they would act out the Bible stories. Family worship night was Saturday night, preparing our kids for worship on Sundays. And I have that responsibility as the husband and dad in the family because I am not only the guardian, I'm the gardener of the health spiritually of my kids. Don't you see, the, the Trinity, we did this study in December during Christmas time. The, the essence of the Christian faith is that we believe in one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And these three different persons in one God existed before this world was ever created. And the reason you and I were created by God was to share in the love they had toward one another. So God created Adam in Genesis 2 in order to participate in that beautiful, unconditional love that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit knew toward one another. But it wasn't good for him to be alone. Even though Adam was sharing in the beautiful love triangle, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God took out of his side, notice guys, out of his side, not out of our feet, out of our side to have a helpmate. That's what the word means for wife, ezer, helpmate. Someone who would help us be able to do what we needed to do in this life. And the two of us in complementarianism would, would walk together and we would know the love between one another that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit knew for eternity. And that love is what binds a husband and a wife together. And the husband is the one who leads spiritually that relationship with the wife. Now, once you get that down, that that's the job of the husbands, then it tells wives to submit to their husbands. Now, you need to know that this verse is the most often quoted verse by men who abuse their wives. I have no tolerance for it. If any of you have a husband who's using this verse to beat you up, you leave. In the name of David and in the name of Jesus, you don't have to put up with that. It is a total misuse of this passage. First of all, the wife is called to submit to your husbands, verse 22, as to the Lord. The first submission is to Christ. Then to a godly spiritual leader who has as his heartbeat the best for your life, who's committed to you to help prepare you to be an eternal creature. And notice that the wife voluntarily submits it's the same idea Jesus chooses to use here as when he submitted to the Father's call to leave the comforts of heaven and enter the squalor of this mess called earth. In the Trinity, at some point in eternity, the Father looked at the Son and said, would you go? And the Son voluntarily came here to save us of our sins. It is a voluntary submission that has as its implication a godly, spiritual husband seeking after the heart of Christ. And dear friends, you show me a godly, spiritual man who quests after Christ more than anything else in the world, married to a godly, Christ-centered woman who allows her husband to spiritually lead in that relationship. I'll show you a healthy family, and I'll show you healthy children. 
That's God's order. It's a mega mysterion, but it's God's order. It's what he intended. Next, let me speak to singles who come to me all the time wanting to be married so desperately, and I understand that. I really do. You don't want to be alone for the rest of your life. And I understand that you're praying for a husband or for a wife, and it's hard. First of all, let me begin by saying to you that the Wall Street Journal did an article on dating, and it said in the article, first of all, never talk to your potential spouse about your exes, religion, or politics. May I tell you, talk about religion often. Find out where he or she is with the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't listen to their words. Watch what they do. For example, do they love to come to worship? Will they ever take your hand in prayer and lead you in prayer? Will they ever go on a missions trip to bring the gospel to those who've never heard? Do they ever go down to the inner city to care for the needs of the poor Is he aggressive sexually towards you? If so, wave bye-bye. Draw your parameters. We'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks. Follow the rules of my daddy. Nothing horizontal, nothing below the neck, and believe me, you're safe. Draw boundaries, and if they're crossed, Practice the rule of the comma grammatically. When in doubt, leave it out. When in doubt, run. Flee sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians 6. Run away from it in every way. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, that singleness is a gift. What in the world is he talking about, some of you ask me? It's a gift? Well, it can be. Tell you why. When kids come into your lives, it complicates everything. Those of you who are parents, what do you say to that one? It's absolutely true. Complicates everything. They demand all of your energy and practically all of your time. So Paul says it's a gift to be single, and I wish you were like me because I'm single, and I have all of my time and all of my energy to devote to the advancement of the kingdom of God. So if God's calling you to a life time of singleness, you'll know it in your heart. If not, you continue to pray, but you don't make the hope for a spouse your idol. Singles sometimes say to me, oh, but he or she's the desire of my heart. I just want that so badly. May I answer? Psalm 37, 4, where most of you get this from, begins with commit your ways to the Lord, then he will give you the desires of your heart. Seek the kingdom of heaven Then all everything else falls into line. Make God through Christ the desire of your heart. And he will give you the patience to wait. And he will be your fulfillment no matter what. May I speak a little more clearly to you single guys? I'm concerned. It just seems to me that in three decades plus of ministry, you've become increasingly commitment phobic. You don't pursue girls anymore. You don't make them feel like they're the bride of Christ. It seems like too many of you 
have participated in what's being called sociologically and psychologically as delayed adolescence. That you're much more desirous of playing your video games than you are of seeking Christ and a bride to be able to raise a family for the glory of God. Now, if God's called you to singleness, great, serve him. But if he's not, how about beginning to think about being a godly man and pursuing a godly woman to marry in a godly way, something I believe God has as his heartbeat for everyone, unless he's called you to singleness. And if he has, praise God. Too many of you guys, I think, are looking for a cross between an astrophysicist and a fashion model who models for Victoria's Secret. She doesn't exist. May I tell you that? She doesn't exist. And even though I believe there needs to be some fizz in the physical, as my daddy always said to me, got it, understand it. The fizz is what gets the motor running in a marriage, but it is covenant that keeps the gas in the engine for the uh, engine to run forever. So I, I get fizz, but look at the heart. In the words of the temptations, my favorite Motown group, beauty's only skin deep, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and skin does wrinkle, it sags, it ages. As much as you try to go to a doctor to keep it from happening, it is going to happen, dear friends. So Mary, my daddy says this all the time, David, marry a beautiful person and a beautiful girl, which I did. Guys, come on, get with it. If we don't marry and advance the kingdom of God, I guarantee you the Muslims are. I guarantee you the godless are. And if the Christian church doesn't multiply in this way, what hope is there for us? To divorcees. You're not second-class citizens. You're not. You've been through a painful trauma, and I'm sorry. Jeremiah 3, verse 18, says that God knows what it's like to go through a divorce. Did you know that? He was married to Israel as a husband, and Israel was her bride, and Israel rebelled against him and walked away from him. He knows what it feels like to be left. But keep on keeping on. Don't give up. The only two reasons you can divorce, by the way, biblically, are adultery and desertion. Desertion causes some fuzziness with people, even adultery, some now with the pornography problem the way it is. But I think God wants you to try to stay together as best you can, but if it doesn't work, seize Roman 8.37 as one of your verses in life, that we're more than conquerors in the love of Jesus Christ, more than conquerors. And if you women, for example, have children in your home without a husband and you worry about all the stats, let me tell you something. If you're a praying mother, your kids are toast. I thought they'd get a better laugh than it got you. Your kids are toast. The power of a praying mom is unbelievable. So see yourself as a person who has had a bad experience, that you have failed in a marriage, but you're not a failure. To those of you who are cohabitating, if you are a follower of Jesus, move out. You're basically leasing your marriage like you'd lease a car. I'm going to try this out for a while if it doesn't work. But don't you see what you're doing to each other? You're using each other to be your companions without a commitment. 
And isn't it interesting for those of you who are cohabitating how that marriage idea keeps getting pushed back and back and back? And, and the marriage stats for those who finally do marry after cohabitating is like 70% divorce. It's not a marriage. And if you're a follower of Jesus, move out and then guys start pursuing your bride. Call her, date her to young people. The second most important decision you'll ever make in your life is who you'll marry. So begin now preparing your heart with the first most important decision, following Jesus. And then start to prepare to be the right person to marry when God brings that person into your life. Somebody wrote in with a question, well, you and Marilyn have a perfect marriage. How can you speak to this? (laughs) Really? Okay. Well, I love my wife deeply and dearly, and she loves me, and we have not had a perfect marriage. We've had two broken, fallen people commit to one another and allow the years to continue to shave off our selfish edges. We've understood that marriage is the PhD of preparing us as servants for Christ. But we've also learned this. Before you go toward a divorce court. First, fall in love with Jesus. Marilyn Chadwick is my best friend in the world. She is my best friend. I share with her most everything. She shares with me most everything. We are one flesh. And bottom line, it's very easy to leave your spouse. It's impossible to leave your best friend. Become each other's best friend. I think that's what God intended for marriage. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in a discussion that turns the phrase, it's not over till it's over, on its head. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and with me today is Bart Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry. Bart, tell us about West Boulevard Ministry. Uh, Thank you, Bart, for this opportunity to speak about West Boulevard Ministry and and more importantly about Jesus Christ. West Boulevard Ministry serves the spiritual and physical needs of the families and the communities within the West Boulevard quarter to the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing neighborhood outreach cookouts, gatherings where we're bringing people outside of their apartments, their homes, into fellowship with one another, or we're doing Bible study bingo the first Wednesday of every month at Little Rock Apartments. And uh, we gather anywhere from 50 to 70 children that we share the gospel with and we play bingo after our Bible study portion of the night. And a couple weeks ago, there's a young man who we've been walking with now close to three years who came in, he, he forgot something, like a lot of young, young kids do, he forgot something in the um, space, and he came back in and he ended up praying out myself and all the other volunteers for the West Boulevard ministry team that were gathered there for that night and led us all in prayer and closed it out. And this young man, we've been taking to church every every Sunday for about the past year and a half. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about providing an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work inside someone's heart and, and then encourage them along the way. That sounds great. Now, Bart, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? The best way to do is uh, either email myself at bart at westboulevardministry.org or they can call me straight up in my cell phone and I always answer. I'm sort of like a doctor. The phone's always on and that's 
298-9027. I would encourage folks too to also go to our website, which is westboulevardministry.org. And there you can see some of our photo galleries. You can see some of the blogs and a lot of things we do throughout the West Boulevard Corridor to the glory of Jesus Christ. It is great having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks so much for being with us today. Hi, Jen. It's great being with you. And people ask me, is Jen Houston really that nice? And I say, yeah, she really is. (laughs) I hope I am as nice as I sound, but thank you. Well, in one of your morning e-devotions, you recently turned the phrase, it's not over till it's over, into... It's not over till it's good because God is good. So how is this, especially when we're facing bad circumstances? You know, Jen, I actually heard a friend of mine use this at the funeral of two sons that he lost in a tragic automobile accident. Mm. And with tears going down his cheek, he said to everyone listening, you know, it's not over till it's good because God is good. I've contemplated that phrase a lot, and really what my friend said is absolutely true, even though you still might be walking through some painful circumstances. Mm -hmm. It's a fundamental truth of Christianity. God is good. If God is always good, then seemingly bad situations in our life aren't over until the outcome is good. That's what my friend was trying to say. Mm -hmm. Why? Because ultimately, our hope is found in the absolute, unwavering, unchangeable goodness of God. Or think about it this way. If God's not good, what's the point of continuing to live life Mm -hmm. with him? It's meaningless. It's without purpose, reason. It's chaos. There's no reason to live. But we can rest assured in God's goodness when we believe what Scripture teaches, that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. Our job is to make sure we do two things, to love God and secondly, to follow his will for our lives. Then we can rest assured that God is working everything and notice that word everything, Mm -hmm. every circumstance, every problem, every trial, everything is working together for good. It's a promise from our Father in heaven to us. Why? Because we believe Psalm 106 verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. The goodness of God is a major characteristic of God, and when you believe God is good, you can continue to move forward in life because you know that no matter what happens, the good God of the universe is caring for you. Hmm, This is so good, and this is a game changer. And for somebody who has struggled with anxiety in the past, this is a verse, and this characteristic of God is something that has transformed my life. Jen, my wife, Marilyn, says all the time that faith is what God's trying to develop. Jesus said in Luke 18, 8, when I come back again, and Jesus will most assuredly come back again, he said, will I find faith on earth? There's something in that faith relationship with the Father in heaven that Jesus wants us to seize upon, live by more than any other characteristic in the world. But you can't have faith unless you believe in the character of God. That's right. If you believe God is awful and evil, you can't have faith in a father like that. But if you believe God is good, You can have faith in him, and therefore you can trust him even if your circumstances 
are horrible. Yeah. So what we're trying to say today to everybody is believe in God's eternal goodness. Believe that major characteristic of the Heavenly Father in heaven. And when you do, nothing in your life is over until it's good because God is good. Wow, that's so powerful. Thank you so much, David. And thank you, Jen. Cling to it, folks. God is good. When you do, your faith will develop. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of that service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's weekly HopeCast. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for those who've lost loved ones during COVID. 